Welcome to MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue, and we're coming to you from the campus of Middle Tennessee State University in Murfreesboro, Tennessee. Dr. Christabel Devados is a lecturer in MTSU's Department of Global Studies and Human Geography. She specializes in the geography of the Asia-Pacific Rim, cultural geography, and identity politics, but she's also a photographer who takes beautiful color photos of regions all over the world, combining her love of travel with her love of capturing natural beauty. Her work can be seen at www.christabeldevados.com, and her voice can be heard after this. Here are some of the headlines making news at mtsunews.com, the university's news and information website. MTSU's Business and Economic Research Center recently released a study that sought to better quantify the economic impact Blue Raider alumni have across the state. Key findings from the center's study include MTSU alumni and their employees generated over $8 billion in business revenue within Tennessee in 2017, and over $3 billion in total business revenue was generated within Tennessee that year by the added value of MTSU degrees earned. MTSU has nearly 100,000 alumni in Tennessee alone. Former State Representative John Hood, MTSU's Director of Government and Community Affairs, was named January 3rd by the Rutherford County Chamber of Commerce as the recipient of its 2018 Doug Young Lifetime Achievement Award for his service to the university and community. Hood, whose career spans six decades with posts in radio, banking, human resources, higher education, and government service at the city, county, and state levels, will be honored at the Chamber's annual Business at Its Best event Thursday, January 31st, at the Embassy Suites Murfreesboro Hotel and Conference Center. In 2014, the Chamber also honored Hood as its Business Legend of the Year. And the Tennessee STEM Education Center at MTSU will conduct the 13th Annual Tennessee STEM Education Research Conference February 14th and 15th at MTSU. STEM is the acronym for Science, Technology, Engineering, and Math. Registration cost is $60 per person. Students receive a discounted rate of $30. For MTSU News at any time, go to mtsunews.com. That's mtsunews.com. Christabel, welcome. Thanks for being with us. Thank you. Both of your grandfathers were photographers. Did they inspire you to take up the art? Uh, yeah, I would say um, they definitely inspired me. My paternal grandfather, my father's father, um, he did it more as a hobby. Um, so he took a lot of photographs of um, you know, my family's journey. Um, so just to give you a little bit of background, um, my father and his family came from India. Um, and so my grandfather migrated um, to uh, actually Saudi Arabia, back to India, and then to Libya, back to India. Um, so they were, they were migrating a lot. And he um, took a lot of photos of that journey. Um, also, you know, some family photos and, um, you know, uh, photos of like my father growing up. Um, all the way until they came to the U.S. So he took photos of them going to get um, a visa to go um, to the U.S. I mean, he took pictures of a lot of these processes um, that had happened at the time. And then my um, maternal grandfather, my mother's father, was actually a photographer for the Air Force. So he was also a scientist. So he was a chemist. Um, he was going to school 
um, and uh, you know um, he went to the Air Force to kind of fund um, his uh, degree. Um, he went into chemistry, but before he did that, he was a photographer for the Air Force. He worked in the darkroom. Um, he also was a camera repairman, and so he was. Um, the story I heard was that. He knew he was going to be drafted, so he ran and signed up for the Air Force. So he was in the Air Force around the end of the Korean War, so he spent a lot of time in Japan um, and you know all over the world. So I had both of my grandfathers to kind of influence the way um, that I looked at photography. Did they encourage you at all? So when I was very young, you know, even my mother actually, my grandfather had taught my mother how to take photos as well, and so she also saw, uh, shot with a camera on manual. So she would, she always had like um, she didn't have a dark room but she you know worked on her own um, sort of film uh, my grandfather did have a dark room and so I think he taught her a little bit about that and those techniques um, and so when I was a child she's also an artist um, so she paints photographs um, or not photographs but paintings um, you know and she also did a little bit of photography so she always encouraged um, you know me and my brother both her and my father encouraged us to um, to do a lot with arts. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my grandfather, my paternal grandfather, um, actually passed away when I was four. So I learned a lot about him through his photographs. And so that was kind of my connection to him was through his photography and, um, you know, through looking at these images that he had taken. That's a, a little bit of how I got to know him. And then my maternal grandfather, you know, he was always um, just showing me his cameras, his equipment, and trying to just show me um, some, some different techniques, you know, when I was younger. So I would say that definitely inspired me. How did you come to travel as much as you've traveled in your life? I used to, I was a wedding photographer um, for a number of years. And in fact, I still shoot weddings sometimes on the side. Um, so when I was younger, I used to photograph weddings um, and portraits and things. And that would, um, I would save that money and then use that to travel. And I did landscapes and um you know, nature photography on the side. So I used my, my wedding photography to fund my trips. Wouldn't say I saved any money at that time or made any <laughs> money, but, uh, but I did use it to travel to all these different parts of the U.S., to national parks. So that's how I initially funded um, my travel. And then as I got older and then I, you know, I joined a grad program, you know, I started, um, you know, going to conferences uh, and or um, when I started doing research, um, that was another way to sort of fund travel. So I've, mm -hmm. I've you know, uh, experimented with a lot of different ways um, to sort of fund travel. Um, I've noticed some of the, the wedding photos on your website. And while some of them are the traditional pictures that you would expect people to take at, at a wedding, some of them are also very artistic in nature. I mean, uh, do, do you do what the client wants or do you provide them with what they want and just a, a little bit extra for the gratification of your artistic side? Oh, that's a good question. Um, so I, I think I do a little bit of both. You know, I um, definitely, you know, and, and again, I don't do weddings as much as I used to, especially now. Um, so um, before, yeah, I would meet with clients, kind of get to know like their style. I do take a lot of photos, um, some of the art, more artistic ones that you're talking about. Um, those generally come from, you know, me trying to, you know, yeah, exercise that sort of artistic eye. And um, but I also like to know the clients and the couple. And I use that to kind of create um, like a moment or um, an image that I know that the, the client would enjoy or like. 
Mm-hmm. Has the travel that you've engaged in been a part of your academic life and the photography a sideline, or do you consider both of them your professions now? Um, yeah, so I'm kind of in this uh, sort of in-between phase. Mm-hmm. Photography was my initial um, profession. Um, so my undergraduate degree is actually in photojournalism, and so a lot of my early training, um, even through academics, was uh, actually journalism and photojournalism specifically. And so photography has always kind of been the initial um, start of that. And then it was later when I went for a master's and even into my PhD that I started kind of trying to merge like the academic um, life with, you know, my previous life as a photographer. Um, And I had taken a break in between um, undergraduate and graduate. And that's when I worked you know, full-time as a photographer. So now I would see that my academic life is actually my primary, mm-hmm. you know, um, profession. And then my my photography is still there, but it's, you know, it's not, it's not on the sidelines. And so I'm still thinking about ways to kind of bring them together. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's sort of what I've been working on in the last few years. Do you use your photographs in the classroom in any way? Oh, yeah. I always I always have my uh, photographs in the classroom. So especially when I'm teaching world regions or political geography, um, uh, geography of Asia, um, I always try to incorporate my own photographs. Um, you know, textbook photographs are good sometimes, but, you know, I like to bring in a little bit uh, more exciting uh, images um, that I think students can, you know, maybe relate to or, you know, find more interesting. And since you were actually there, because you're the one who took the photograph, you can also provide them, I suppose, with very interesting anecdotes and a little bit of backstory too, right? Yes, yeah. And so I definitely do that, especially uh, my lectures on India. I bring in a lot of my, a uh, lot of the photos I've taken as an artist, and also those that I've taken um, for my research. I also bring in videos and a little bit of multimedia. We'll take a break right here. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. Expanding Your Horizons is an annual hands-on science and math conference at MTSU for middle and high school girls. EYH enables girls to investigate careers in science and math and to talk with female leaders in those fields that are so essential to our nation's future. EYH also provides the girls with fun hands-on activities and allows them to meet girls with similar interests. I'm Dr. Judith Iriarte-Gross, EYH Director. For more information, visit mtsunews.com. The Army ROTC College Program at MTSU prepares students mentally, physically, and emotionally to become leaders and promotes virtues of duty, honor, country. ROTC cadets are involved in all academic disciplines, athletics, and student organizations at MTSU. Full scholarships and tuition assistance are awarded based on merit. All cadets upon graduation will serve their country as second lieutenants either in the Army, Army Reserve, or Army National Guard. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Well, our guest is Dr. Christabel Devadas. She is a lecturer in the Department of Global Studies and Human Geography. She's also a photographer who has taken pictures from far and wide all across this country and around the world. And her website is christabeldevadas.com. You had a photo exhibit in Ashtabula County, Ohio recently. Uh, You're from there, right? Yes. And it was related to climate change as a, as a sort of a theme of the exhibit, I understand. Talk to me a little bit about climate change and, and what you think about it and, and how that subject uh, inspires you to take pictures of, of uh, 
particular landscapes. Yeah. Um, so um, my actual my exhibit was actually a little bit of wasn't just focused on climate change. Um, so it was focused on a lot of different things. It's actually a collection of photographs um, that I've had since um, I started photographing landscapes. And so when I initially went into um, landscape photography or started, you know, taking photographs of landscapes, you know, I was about 18 years old. And so climate change wasn't really something I was thinking about as the forefront. I was just kind of going and taking photos, um, you know, because I thought they were beautiful or nice. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, the more I photographed and the more places I traveled and the more I learned um, just about the earth and, um, you know, some of the challenges that we face, um, especially when I was 18, you know, um, climate change was something that we always thought about as being in the future, something far, far away. Mm-hmm. And so it was something that would affect people in the next generation. Um, but recently, you know, there was just a climate uh, report released by our government um, that details that, you know, we're experiencing climate change now. This isn't something that we're going to face in the future, but it's something, you know, we will have to deal with these effects within our lifetime. And so, yeah, it kind of became something I thought about as I was photographing. And so there's there's a lot of different themes. Um, I also think a lot about, um, like, human landscapes and human environment relations. And, you know, especially as I became a human geographer and I started doing that academically, I thought about ways to bridge that and ways to kind of bring those together. And so, for example, um, you know, I photographed um, Glacier National Park, and that's, you know, one of the locations in the U.S. that if you go to, um, I mean, there's a lot of educational material there just on how much the glaciers have been disappearing. Um, And you can see that also in a lot of national parks in Alaska as well. And so there have been a lot of photographers that have inspired me, you know, that have Um, you know, kind of address these issues. And so for me, my photography isn't just about climate change. It's it's about, you know, um, a lot about, you know, the human condition. It's about um, stories of immigration, stories of diaspora, identity, and then also um, these landscapes, which we don't know how they might look, let's say, in the next 40 years or so. So Mm -hmm. even places like Yellowstone, you know, every, every time, you know, I've visited, you know, Yosemite or Yellowstone, something is a little bit different each time. And I think those that um, sort of change has been um, quickening in, a pa- in its pace, you know. Mm-hmm. And you think it's important to chronicle what these places look like because generations down the line might never see that particular image again because the venue might have been altered so much by the time they come into being. Yeah, I mean, I think that's part of it, definitely. I think, you know, documenting these places um, is really important. And also, um, especially, like, thinking about my hometown, um, you know, a lot of people haven't traveled or haven't, you know, been not a lot of people, but people I know, you know. um, And so I like to show them kind of like this is what's sort of going on and, you know, maybe inspire them to start thinking about ways that, you know, we can, like, think about our world and make small changes every day um, to kind of, Uh, you know, work to combat these issues. It seems like to me there's almost, from what I've seen on the website, an almost ethereal quality to your photos. Do you do anything special to them uh, to enhance or downplay certain features, or are they uh, pristine? Yeah, so as a photographer, um, there are a lot of things that go into that. So when you 
when you take a picture on your camera, and let's say you know we all have cell phones, so we take photographs on our cell phones, um, the camera does an automatic uh, settings for you, right? It just mm-hmm. takes everything um, the way that you know it goes through a formula and kind of just makes everything sort of equal. Mm-hmm. But there's all these different components. Um, and so when you photograph manually, and this is something I always talk about um, when I've taught photography classes, just the importance of photographing manually because you can change things like shutter speed or aperture. Now, shutter speed can give you, you know, that silky water look, right? And it can mm-hmm. make this um, landscape look a little bit different than if you were just taking it um, you know, with your phone. So using those tools and creating a photograph. So I, I do, you know, use like a slow shutter speed when I'm photographing waterfalls or bodies of water. Um, I also use um, like a tripod for everything, um, you know, to make sure that that water um, is clear and crisp um, or the background is clear and crisp. And then also I use a lot of, um, I would say, filters on your lens. So we have filters like graduated filters or neutral density filters and that helps you kind of they're tools that you can put on your camera um, that help you create um, that that photograph you know and it helps you get a more balanced exposure so you know you can compensate with your your foreground and your background um, and make those you know uh, look more uniform um, I do I don't do a lot of processing in Photoshop I do a lot of things in Lightroom so I process a lot of my images through Lightroom. Um, and so I use that as, um, you know, kind of like a dark room. So Lightroom, Adobe Lightroom is like a, a way that we can use the dark room, right, digitally. Um, and so I, I do that. And then some of my photographs, I um, use HDR, which is high dynamic range. Mm-hmm. Um, so I will bracket, um, meaning I'll take an underexposed image, an overexposed image, and then a correctly exposed image and I'll merge them. And so that gives you more of that dynamic range. And cell phones can do that now, actually. Um, A lot of cell phones have an HDR feature. So I just do that manually. Um, You know, I take these photographs and then I put them together in Lightroom. Sort of a creative double exposure is what they used to call it back in the analog days. Yeah, uh, something kind of like that. Yeah. What do you think your grandfathers would think about all this extraordinary digital technology by comparison to the analog equipment they used to work with? Um, well, it's hard to know. I mean, uh, my father, my mater- uh, paternal grandfather, you know, passed away um, in the early 90s. And so, I mean, I think this technology would be very, very different for him. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think he'd be very interested in it. And I'm sure he would um, also take photographs. My... Um, my mother's father, he actually, you know, has a digital camera and he uses a digital mm-hmm. camera now. Um, he doesn't do as much uh, developing as he used to, but he still uses, um, you know, his camera. Uh, he has a Canon. Uh, and then he also, mm-hmm. I was just teaching him last time I saw him how to use his iPhone 8. <laughs> so <laughs> to show me he could take pictures with it, and he was impressed with the quality of the phone camera. So he was like, I can't believe phones can take pictures like this. You mean, get, get, is he learning how to text and everything else, too? Yeah, I was teaching him how to text, too. So, <laughs> But he's, you know, he's pretty good. My grandmother actually is pretty amazing at texting. We'll return in just a moment. This is MTSU on the record. The Tennessee Civil War National Heritage Area is managed by MTSU Center for Historic Preservation. A partnership unit of the National Park Service, the Heritage Area, tells the whole story of America's greatest challenge, 
offering assistance with Civil War and Reconstruction-era programs. Our projects include historic driving tours, museum exhibits, and nominations to the National Register of Historic Places. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The Experiential Learning Scholars Program at MTSU gives students a chance to go outside the classroom and obtain hands-on experience in their chosen fields of study. They'll have the opportunity to give something back to the community through service learning as they gain acceptance for graduate study. Students should be able to select EXL-designated courses from major requirements and general studies requirements to complete the 16 to 18 hours of EXL coursework. For all of the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. We're talking about landscape photography with Dr. Christabel Devadas, who is a photographer and a lecturer in the Department of Global Studies and Human Geography. What's your next major photographic project going to be? So my grandfather had all these photographs, right, that we'd found in these, um, like these old boxes that my, my father found in the attic. Um, but before that, you know, he had some in photo albums, and those are the ones that I was looking at. But he uncovered these slides that I hadn't seen before. And one of the things that I noticed was my grandfather and I, my tata, that's Tamil for grandfather, Mm -hmm. um, he had photographed some of the same locations that I had. Um, And I didn't know it. I mean, I found this out when I saw his photos. And um, that's eerie. Yeah, it was a really interesting moment. I felt like a connection. Yeah. But it's eerie in a cool way, you know, especially since you had no idea what he had done. Yeah. And so it was um, so that was that was really interesting. Um, So some of the same locations in Venice um, uh, and then also um, in Tamil Nadu in India. Um, And so I think what what I've sort of been working on and what I want to do in the future is um, kind of maybe travel to some of these locations. That's something I did over the summer, actually, was travel to some of these other locations that he had been um, and just it's different when, you know, before. You know, I when I was in those locations photographing, um, let's say even in uh, in India or Venice, you know, I was thinking about my my father's parents. You know, I was wondering, I wonder if they stood here in this spot. I wonder what they were thinking at this time. I had I knew they had been in Venice, um, and so when I photographed Venice, I thought, oh, my grandmother and my grandfather, they must have been standing here. You know, and yeah. um, you know, just trying to think about what that might have been like. In the, in the 1970s or, you know, what their experience was. Um, and so it was, yeah, very strange when I found that he had taken photos in those locations and I was comparing our photos. So um, that's something I want to do in the future is kind of go to these locations. Um, and also my uh, mother's father, you know, he had a lot of locations that he photographed. Um, and so I'm thinking about going to those and kind of exploring what that means and, and those spaces and that um knowing that they had been there and photographed those same places. The uh, When you're teaching in the classroom, do you find that uh, your students, uh, the majority of whom I assume are millennials, although I'm sure you have some non-traditional students as well, do they respond more to these brilliant images of these places than they do to the written text or to the spoken word? I mean, does... Does the image provide you with more of a jump start to get them to appreciate different cultures and different areas of the planet? Yeah, so I've definitely gotten some comments. I'm also a millennial, so no. I don't know <laughs> if that also helps. Uh, but uh, it just, I, they have had a lot of comments about, oh, those are really awesome images, or where was that? 
um, someone had asked me about what my favorite place was that I had been um, or a favorite place that I photographed. So I've had a lot of these questions. Um, and I don't know if that's necessarily because of the photographs, but I think it helps. I mean, in general, I try to make my lectures, you know, in the intro classes. I, I don't lecture as much in upper division, but um, at least to have those slides ha have a lot of images and visuals because I'm a very visual person and text-heavy slides can be very, um, can make students not really want to learn information if it's just a lot of text. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's important to bring in visuals and images and sounds and um, sort of this multi-sensory, um, you know, experience in the classroom. What is your favorite place, by the way? You know, India and, and South India and especially my, um, my grandmother's hometown um, of Velour, India um, in Tamil Nadu. She was, um, I don't know, there's just something about being there um, that's really interesting to me and then um, I never met her and so that's sort of my connection to her mm -hmm. and um, just knowing where she went to college um, where she um, you know vi the places that she had visited at the time and so it every time I visit it's you know a kind of way to, for me to connect to her um, and so that's definitely one of my favorite places um, in the U.S. Um, there's so many good places. Denali in uh, Alaska. You photographed, uh, I think, Acadia National Park. Yeah. Uh, and some plate Monument Valley where all the John Ford westerns were shot. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I photographed these in you know sort of different periods of my life, and so it's it's hard to to say I had a favorite. I mean, I would say Alaska was very like it was breathtaking. I had never seen anything quite like that in terms of um, just the vast amount of mountains. And um, and so Alaska is very beautiful. Washington State is also beautiful. That's another place I, I haven't been back to since I was maybe 20. But um, there are a lot of national parks around that area um, and a lot of different climates. So, you know, you have the temperate rainforest, you have the mountains, you have the beach area. So there's a lot of different, you know, opportunities for photography. So speaking from a photographic perspective, um, I really enjoyed that, and I think about that a lot, that I would like to go back and visit. And if you would like to see uh, Dr. Devadas's photography for yourself, once again, the website is www.christabeldevadas.com. -E Thank you for being our guest today. Thank you. We'll be right back. Tennessee's farm families contribute to our state's economy, nutrition, and culture. The Tennessee Century Farms Program at MTSU's Center for Historic Preservation acknowledges farms that have been in the same family at least 100 years. To date, the program has certified more than 1,500 farms. There is no cost to nominate a farm or be part of the program. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. The American Democracy Project is a nonprofit initiative which strives for greater voter registration and civic participation among young people at MTSU and at campuses nationwide. Through encouragement from professors and peers, young adults are shown the value of being more active citizens in their community, their state, and their nation. ADP seeks to nurture programs that raise the campus community's level of engagement with society. For all the latest MTSU news and information, go to mtsunews.com. Randy Weiler has the middle moment. 
MTSU's Senior Advisor for Veterans and Leadership Initiatives, Keith M. Huber, leads an upcoming conference titled Veterans in Motion. It will help veterans find a pathway of continued service in community and business. Huber, a retired Lieutenant General, shares more. This is an information exchange with the leaders of Rutherford County and with officials that set the conditions for veterans and their family members. This narrative is for the vast majority of our veterans who are not in a crisis action situation. These are successful, well-established military and their family members who now find themselves in a completely different environment than when they serve, and they seek sources of accurate and unbiased information to describe opportunities not only for them to give back, but for them to enter the community and employer leadership. That's MTSU on the Record. I'm Jenna Logue. Thanks for listening. MTSU on the Record, a news and information program about Middle Tennessee State University, is produced by the university's Marketing and Communications Office, which is solely responsible for its content. Read more about MTSU at our website, mtsunews.com. Podcasts of this program are available at mtsunews.com and on iTunes.